Hey folks, my name is Andy Sitto. I'm a singer, songwriter, performer, and producer in Denver, Colorado. My guest this week is performing artist, singer, songwriter, and guitarist based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Sonny War. Welcome to Middle Class Rockstar. Welcome back to another episode. Um, every episode is special in its own way, and I've done so many of them now that, I, you know, I was, I was chatting with a friend the other week, and I said, you know what? You've got some new stuff coming out. You ought to come come be on the show. We ought to do a podcast. And you should check out my podcast, Middle Class Rockstar. And he said, I've already been on the show. Why, are you kidding? And <laughs> we just sort of laughed about it because um, I, I, I'm going back through the list, and I I remember all of them when I look at them, but um, but not not right off the top of my head. So maybe I'm getting old, or maybe I've done a lot of episodes, or maybe a little bit of both. They're all special in their own way. Um, this one this one had a little extra something for me. I don't I don't know what it was. Um, it was just a, a really great conversation and very natural. Usually we talk for a little bit, and then I kind of explain you know, what we're going to chat about and ask if there's anything that they want me to make sure to mention or not to mention. There was none of that with Sonny. As soon as our connection started, um, the internet connection and everything, the Zoom connection, we just started talking. And um, and that that was that. And we talked for about an hour. Um, a great conversation. Uh, we talk a lot about... Um, being in Chattanooga, she's in uh, her dad's house. Her dad passed away last year, and, and she's in that house fixing it up. So we talk about that and her relationship with her father, um, getting into music, some of the gigs that she's uh, done, some of the albums, some of the songs she's put out, the Ween cover that just came out, um, doing gigs and tours opening for folks like J.J. Gray and George Benson, getting to play venues like Royal Albert Hall, Um Musical taste in in general, uh, she brings up the idea of everyone networking in Nashville and everybody trying to shake hands, and she says it's not about that. You just got to be good at what you do and do it. Um, a lot of lot of great perspectives. Um, talk about uh, drug use and getting clean in L.A. in her teens and early 20s. Uh, we talk about record collections. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation, and I think you're going to enjoy all of the conversations, all the episodes, but, but this one's got uh, something special to it, so check it out. Uh, well, you, you already are. You're here. A quick thanks to our sponsor, Narrator Music. For simple and affordable licensing for sync, visit narratormusic.com. If you'd like to support this podcast in a monetary way, I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash Sido S-Y-D-O-W. Um, I put up content from the podcast. I'm also an artist, a, a, a touring artist and songwriter, guitarist and keyboardist. Um, and so I put up my music on there as well. It's a great way to support artists that you love. And uh, you can be my patron for as little as $3 a month. If you want to support in a non-monetary way, um, give this podcast a five-star rating or review and review, excuse me, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, it just takes a second, and it's a huge help. Here's my conversation with Sunny War. Mm-hmm. 
But you, so Chattanooga, you moved. You went from like L.A. to Nashville, right? And then and then to Chattanooga. Yeah. So what what was it about Nashville where you said I'm gonna move, get two hours out of there? I I wanted. It's like okay, I like when I moved to Nashville. Like. I was trying to live in Nashville and my dad got sick last year and then he ended up passing away. And he's from, he's, I'm in his house right now. That's, that's why I moved here was because me and my brother inherited our dad's house and now we're trying to fix it up. Do you have like a lot of childhood memories in the house? Yeah, I've been, com I've been coming here to visit my grandma since I was a kid. It's a small, it's like an old country little house, you know? Did you have a good relationship with your dad? I didn't really, and that was a, a part of why I wanted to move to Nashville, because I thought I would be closer, and I would, because I've been on the West Coast, and he's always just been here in Chattanooga. Yeah. But we talked online, and we talked, but we didn't, it's like, I don't know, it just sucks. Everything just was crazy last year. But now it's, like, weird because I've been cleaning up after him, you know? Like, he was a hoarder, yeah. apparently. Then I found out from one of his friends that he was schizophrenic. Wow. And I'm like, this really explains a lot yeah. for me. Because right. I, I was diagnosed as schizophrenic. But yeah. it's like, I didn't know that there was a history in my family I'm just learning a lot. And then even the neighbors that live here, they grew up with my dad. So yeah. there's people that live across the street. They knew him his whole life. So it's just been really interesting, like, being here. And then even, like, I've been looking through all these photos that they had. I'm learning a lot. I didn't know, like, my apparently my family started a church out here. There's so really? much stuff I just didn't know. About wow. my dad, my dad's side of the family. I didn't know. Have Have you seen the church? I haven't seen the church, but I I'm supposed to go. I'm gonna go to the church. Um, it's very hard for me as an atheist, but I do want to see the church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my skin kind of starts burning when I walk into a church, but I'm gonna go. I know, <laughs> I know. I feel, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. So that that must be interesting, though. I mean. It, with, with the array of other emotions that I'm, I'm sure you're experiencing, but to learn so much about, um, about your family, you know, even, you know, after your dad's passed on and learning new things uh, about him, does that make you feel like closer in some sort of way as well? Yeah. Cause I, cause I found out like, okay, he was like, he was sick for a while. Like he had like a couple strokes like already years ago so he's been but when he was still living here like he didn't tell me or my brother that he and his wife separated yeah. he was living alone he was using a walker he was he was supposed to be going to physical therapy because i guess he couldn't it's just like i can't the main he, he was embarrassed basically because yeah. even i i talked to my aunt and she said that he stopped letting her come into the house. And it turns out it's because he was a hoarder and he was embarrassed. And then it's like, I keep thinking, like, why didn't he ask me or my brother for help when he when he was using the walker? Yeah. He needed help. 
Yeah. And I just feel like he he had, he was like prideful and he was embarrassed about his health. He was embarrassed that he was sick. And it's like, like a lot of people argue, not argue, but like, that's like one of the, the few benefits of having kids. It's like, you can call your kid and say, hey, you need to be my caregiver now. I yeah. feel like that's the whole point. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we would have done it. Yeah. So that's what I keep I'm I keep like getting stuck in that. I'm like, he would have still been alive if he would have called us. It's just I don't know, man. Yeah. I keep getting stuck in that. But I have learned a lot about him. He apparently he was really into comic books, you know? And like and train yeah. model trains. He likes model trains. And I'm like, oh, this dude's a nerd, you know? <laughs> Well, that's kind of cool, right? To see, you know, to open up a comic book that that you know he read, or you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I'm a nerd too. I appreciate it. Yeah, I got all, this is all I got. All my nerd stuff. I got these little toys. I have Darth Vader. I got all my Star Wars stuff. I love and, it. And he was into that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's that's great to find. You know, to find that. Uh, to find that common ground um and before before you came to chattanooga and then nashville you i mean you grew up in the nashville area right and then moved to la i live i lived in nashville till i was like 12 and then my mom uh -huh. and my stepdad moved us to la so i kind of feel like like my like last year when i was in nashville it was weird it was like i I was like living in the same neighborhood that I went to elementary school in. And like, I was like, I would FaceTime my mom and I showed her, I don't know if you know the dragon park. It's, it's called Fannie Mae's park, okay, but it has no, a huge dragon in it. And like, um, I showed my mom the park on FaceTime. Cause I remember it like, and she's yeah. like, Oh, that's where your kindergarten is right around the corner. And we're just, it's just like weird. Like, cause I was, <laughs> I was living in the same neighborhood I was born in like yeah. Vanderbilt hospital. Wow. So it was huh. like kind of, it was nostalgic, but honestly, like I like Chattanooga better than Nashville already. And yeah. I haven't even been here that long. Cause there's like, like Chattanooga is super conservative Christian and stuff. But then the people that aren't like that are freaks. Like there's a lot of like, <laughs> there's a lot of punks out here. There's a lot of bikers. Like there, yeah. there's a scene. There's a real scene out here. Yeah, it's got some personality. Yeah, there's like some some real weirdo artists live out here. <laughs> so I kind of really like. I felt like Nashville. Like Nashville's got a great music scene, but I feel like all the musicians are so serious. Yeah, yeah. They're all like they're so industry, you know. Where it's like, I'm like, where are the weirdos that just enjoy art? Yeah. If, it felt a lot like everybody was trying to profit off of art. And I, I'm like, that's not like a good headspace for me to be in this whole like commercial scene, you know? Yeah. I want to be around people that legitimately just want to, they just want to make stuff because they like it. I don't want to be around. I'm not saying everybody's like that. It's just yeah. sad, like I feel like it's uptight. It kind of remind it kind of reminds me of L.A., except right. like how how the actors are in L.A. That's how I felt like the musicians were like in Nashville. Like they're just so like 
networking. They're constantly networking. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I'm like, damn. I'm like, damn, dude. Can we just out. hang out? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, I just want to have I, a good time, you know? Is there is there a, a like a happy medium there somewhere? I mean, when you talk about the profit thing, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, can we just hang out and play music because music's beautiful, and music's awesome? There's also the other mm-hmm. side of the pressure of like, I want to do this, but I got to make a certain amount of money to be able to do this. So there's, yeah. I mean, is is there a happy medium there for just enjoying and creating art for the love of it, but also needing to profit to an extent? I just see okay, like this is to me the medium is is just just play well, just do a good job. Like the networking thing, I think people think networking actually does something for a musician's career, but I don't believe it does. I think what does something is just playing well. Like just go have a good set. Like yeah. you you shaking hands with all of these people or whatever isn't it's like you still have to be good at music. So it's like, if you just focus on the music part, I just, I don't know. I feel like, because all the people that I see that are in that whole networking thing, they're already successful. It's like, all they have to do is just keep doing what they're doing. Right. So it just, to me, it's like, it doesn't make sense. It's like, it's like, like in LA, it's like the actors can, they can know, a bunch of people but it's like if if you can't act you're not going to get the part it don't matter who you know right it's the same right. with music it's like if you can't show me that you can play or whatever then it don't matter you can know everybody you know yeah sure sure i, I mean and when did you really get into playing was were you playing before you moved um were you playing guitar before you moved to la and i, I know you'd said that yeah all your uh, mom's boyfriends were guitar players. Uh, and, well, and... not all of them. <laughs> Probably most. Well, okay. Yeah, I started playing when I was seven. Okay. But she, my stepdad, my stepdad was in a band. I was always around musicians all the time. So, and my uncle, he's he plays classical. He's an upright bass player. But he also just taught me like music theory, you know, basic music theory stuff. And yeah. then another guy that he was my stepdad's friend, he played banjo. Yeah. And I used to see him playing banjo. So I, I was always seeing people play different stuff, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and my mom, she, was, she always supported like, the arts and stuff like what was your first guitar i don't know what kind of was but it was a classical guitar okay and so i had that one for a while then uh when we moved to la i got a takamini still string guitar and then i when i was like 12 or 13 then they got me an electric guitar they got me a Les Paul, a Epiphone Les Paul. And then I was learning how to, and they got me a book, an ACDC guitar book. Because okay. my stepdad, because I used to listen to ACDC a lot when yeah. I was like 12. <laughs> and I learned how to play all the ACDC. And then even I learned how to play a lot of Slayer songs 
And then they gave me a curfew. I had a music curfew because I was playing, like, I couldn't play past seven o'clock because I was playing, I was loud. <laughs> really? They they cut yeah. you off at seven? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought quiet hours would come at 10 or something. I had to be in bed by nine back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and I knew, you know, I know, uh, you know, you've, you've done a lot of listening to like Elizabeth Cotton and Mississippi John Hurt and, and Chet Atkins and stuff. Oh, um, yeah. You, but you've really developed your own unique style. That is, that is uniquely you. I mean, who else, out, you know, outside of like the finger picking scene, did you listen to a ton, or like different genres of music? Did you listen to that's helped like influence your playing? Um, I think like weirdly bad brains, just because. Cause like I, cause when I was like, I was into rocking and, and punk and stuff, but it was like Bad Brains was like, for me that was the first time hearing fusion, really because, like you can tell that they they started out as jazz fusionists and then yeah. they decided later they want to play punk rock, but it's like, you can hear all the weird chords that they use that don't really fit, into that genre i think it's like i don't know i felt like they were pushing it and they were playing as fast as they could but they're it's like that was a weird way to approach that kind of music and then i guess i'm trying to think of like people that aren't blues or folk that i was like influenced by but i guess not really because i i mostly just at least for my own playing now, I mostly was influenced by blue stuff and like, and some folk stuff. Like Dave Rawlings is like probably like my favorite, like modern acoustic guitar player. Yeah, yeah. But I was really obsessed with like just Mississippi John Hurd and Skip James and stuff like for like the. A couple years, I was just only listening to that kind of stuff. Well, and you you put out a a collaboration uh, with Dave Dave Rollins, a, a hire, which came out just a couple months ago in no, in November. Um, what was that like, getting to work uh, with David on a song? It was cool, cause he's he was really nice, and um, we ended up talking about ACDC for like thirty minutes. So he's a nerd. Yeah. I was <laughs> yeah. and then but we're still friends and I didn't he's he's just been like kind of like he listens to my demos and stuff now. I send him demos and then it's kind of it's just weird because it's like I've been listening because my parents were very in, into Jillian Welch and yeah. I've been he hearing that stuff like since I was like eight, I've been listening to um, Jillian Welch and and I I tried to play like him a lot as a kid and so it's just been cool. And he's yeah. really funny and weird. He's weird and funny and not and I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A good ha a a good hang besides just a a good player. Yeah. Um. No, that's that's really neat. Um, and, and did you 
did you start writing right away as well, or were you playing just you know were you playing guitar for a long time before the songwriting came in? I was I didn't I didn't start writing until I was like thirteen because I never wanted to be a singer. I only wanted to be a guitar player. But when yeah. I um when I was thirteen, I started my first band, and we wanted to get a singer. The whole plan was for us to get a singer and a drummer and we never we never got a drummer or a singer but i was writing songs for what i wanted our you know like i was writing for the band yeah that's kind of how i started and then i ended up having to sing it because we never got a singer and that's how i started singing but i didn't i always wanted to just be like i wanted to be like a lead guitar player that's what i wanted to be and it ended up I didn't. I never wanted to be a singer, and <laughs> but you're good at it. <laughs> I don't like it. It's, it's just like because you can't play as much if you sing. Like yeah. I feel like if I was just in a band, I could really play guitar. And it's like I feel like singing. I can't play as much. Is that something you think that you'll do in the future? Is be in a different group as as just a guitar player? I would if if somebody would let me if you know somebody would be in a band with me I would. I've met plenty of people would. Well, in in <laughs> most of I mean you do some stuff with a band right now, right? But you, but mostly solo. Well, not well. The tour in in February is going to be as a three piece. Okay. And I'm hoping that I want to play more shows as a band. But then it's like I'll, solo gigs are just more convenient. But right. it's like I feel like everything on the new album, it should be with a band. Like it should be like we need drums, you know? Yeah. So it's just I hope it because it's like I did. The songs aren't written to be played solo. They're supposed to be with the band. There's so many parts. So I'm hoping to f- figure out. It's just so hard co- to like get the guarantees from shows to have to be able to take a band on the road. Cause then it's like, we got to get everybody. We got to feed everybody. We got, everybody needs a room. Everybody. It's just like expensive, you know? Absolutely. So I gotta, I just gotta figure it out. Is it strictly convenience? Um, playing solo a lot too. Are there other advantages for you for playing solo? Um, I mean, I've been, I just, I'm kind of tired. I'm tired of playing solo. Like, I think it's cool, but it, it depends. I guess it depends on what kind of thing it is. Like, I don't mind playing solo if it's a, a folk festival, but sometimes right, right. it's like, I'll be on a bill with like bands and then I'm the only person playing solo. And then sometimes the only person that's acoustic and I just feel like it doesn't make sense, you know? Like, sometimes I play a lot of weird shows where... But, like, people will, will put me with a band and be like, it makes sense. Like, but to me, I, like, I feel like if I was in the audience, I would be like, that's a totally different vibe, you know? Like, because sometimes it's like, I feel like I'm playing, I'm opening for, like, some really hard rock band or something. Like, it just doesn't make sense. 
do you still in those <laughs> in those cases? I mean, do you still play your same set unapologetically, or do you try to somehow? I mean, do, are you mentally like, okay, there's a like a really loud rock band after me. I gotta do something a little bit different in my set to try to match that intensity. I kind of play the same. I kind of play the same stuff every time. I mean, I do pull out songs like from my folk punk band that are a little bit more intense, but it's like it's still an acoustic guitar. Like, there's not like there's not much I can do. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I mean, is it a fun challenge though to be in those in those situations? Not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> It's just awkward because I just feel it's like nobody like nobody's ever like mean or anything. But it's like sometimes I feel like it, some of the shows don't make sense. It's just like if I'm going to see a rock band, I don't want to see an acoustic singer songwriter opening for them. Like, yeah, I'm expecting the opener to be another band similar to the band that I'm seeing. Right. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I well, it, it, yeah, puts the opener in a weird position sometimes yeah. too if it's, if it's too different. But, um, did you like LA? LA, Los Angeles, yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> you was because you were there for a while, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel, I feel like I'm from Venice Beach, oh, okay, okay, but. I don't know LA. my California geography very well. Well, Venice Beach is in is in LA. But, you know, there's just a lot of it's like I got I got strung out there, I got arrested there. I did a lot of terrible things there. Like I grew up there, you know. Yeah. But it, and then now it's like it kind of feels like a ghost town cuz like most of my friends are dead now. Like it's like but it's like that's mm. the life of an addict, you know. Like uh, all of my, like they were all, all my friends died of liver failure and shit, and OD'd before they even turned thirty, you know. Yeah. And, and I can't even, I can't even be there without remembering all of them. So it feels really weird. But then at the same time, I love that city. Like. Yeah. I played. I played on the street there. For like a long time, and I, I mean, all my, it's just weird. It's like a love hate kind of thing. Like I love LA, but it's like there's also a lot of stuff happening out there. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, did you uh, did you get cleaned up at some point? Yeah, I had to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I I went to I actually went I was living in a sober living in Compton, okay for for like two years basically because I because at that time I was having seizures, I was having like drug seizures for two years, like it it was like my body was like I was base I was basically about to die by the time I got in there, so it was like. But I got clean. I mean, I went because I went to NA. They took me to NA meetings every day, and then I met the older junkies, and they really like scared me straight, basically. 
they were just yeah. like they were like oh like you're when you're this age now but like if you you're gonna end up like me like i just got out of prison i i lost cost custody of my kids i'm not allowed to drive i'm not allowed to leave the country like they're just like you're on this track this is the track you're on like yeah and that i just kept going to meetings and Basically, I just didn't, and I was having the seizures, so I was like, I already thought my life was over because I was having seizures, and I didn't, I didn't know it was gonna stop. I thought I was stuck like that. It did. I mean, how often? Would and then I stopped having seizures, though. Wow. It. It was like every day. I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Because it just, I didn't know when it was gonna happen, but it like. It happened to me even. I was because everybody else in the sober living was getting jobs and trying to get their shit together so that they could get an apartment. Yeah. And it's like I I, w- I ended up staying there so long because I couldn't even get a job like I couldn't control it. Like I, I was trying to I was trying to go to a job interview one time and I had a seizure on the train on the way to the job interview oh. and I fucking fell out on the floor and I was like, it's like, I couldn't control it. So it was just, I just felt trapped. Like, wow. Cause I was trying to like, but eventually it stopped. It had a lot to do with some medication that I was on. So I, I stopped all the medication and then eventually it, it just stopped happening. And how old were you when, when you went uh, to the sober living? I was like 22 or 21 or 22. Yeah. Yeah. So you got cleaned up. You got cleaned up pretty early on. Yeah. But I started, I started, (laughs) I started doing heroin and meth when I was 13. (laughs) 13. (laughs) Wow. I just, I was just stupid. I'm still stupid, but I, but. I made yeah. enough mistakes where I don't make as many mistakes. <laughs> and was was there like was there one event that happened where you where you thought okay shit I gotta I gotta do something? Well, I mean how I I because how I ended up in the sober living was I had a seizure in Venice and I ended up breaking my head. I fell out on my head and then I ended up in the hospital. And then basically they were like, okay, like, because they're seeing everything that's in, they see what I was doing in my blood. And then my mom, my mom helped me get into the sober living because she, she knew the lady that owned the sober living. So she got me in there because I wanted to go to my mom's house after I got out the hospital. And my mom told me she didn't trust me because I really... Cause I did steal. I was stealing. I was like, I was full blown, like, just a junkie at that point. Like, and she was like, you can't come to my house anymore. I don't trust you, but you can go to this sober living. Do you want to go? And I was like, I didn't want to go. Yeah. But I ended up, I ended up going. So, but I'm really glad. Cause now it's been like, been like 13 12 years 12 years or something yeah so it worked i guess you know what was your first job after after you got out of the sober living um 
I was busking. I was busking most for rent because I have back then I had an apartment. I had a studio apartment in downtown LA for only five hundred a month. So I would go to the beach. I would make my rent, you know. Yeah. But then I got tired of busking after a while. Then I ended up working at the Crenshaw Mall as a janitor. I was a janitor at the mall. And I thought I would like it because in my mind, I thought it would be like I had headphones on and I'd be mopping and singing, you know. Yeah. That's what I thought being a janitor was like. But then they told me, you're not allowed to wear headphones. I was like, why? I can't I can't listen to music while I clean this toilet. <laughs> like yeah. because they had they had walkie talkies and they would call us and be like, uh, one of the kids puked on the playground. You gotta come down. It was like annoying. It was uh, so annoying. Yeah. And then like I ended up hating that job. I was working there full time. It's actually a big part of uh why I got serious more serious about music was from being a janitor full time because it was like I was so tired all the time that I I couldn't even play guitar because I was so exhausted. Yeah. And then I just felt sad and I was like like okay, like I'm paying rent and stuff, but I'm I'm depressed. Like I feel empty. And I couldn't even I couldn't even have a social life because my days off I was only I was off on like a Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like nobody's gonna hang out on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so right, I, right. So eventually I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go busking again, but I'm going to, like, I started printing my CDs out. I started making business cards because I was like trying to get gigs. Right. So I was like, I'm going to do the busking thing, but I'm going to be a little bit more serious about it. And then eventually people did start calling me to play at little things. And, and I started playing at clubs and stuff. And I mean, at what point did you realize, hey, I I think I could do this for a living. Like, I think I could tour and and make art and do my thing. Well, I never realized it. I just I just like didn't want to. I didn't want to work at the mall. And then I didn't want to go to college. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, the only job I could get would be some version of the mall and i just i don't know i just i mean also just being being in venice growing up in venice is like it taught me a lot about business just because like the whole boardwalk it's like people selling paintings people selling jewelry like it's just a bunch of artists that just like they're just making it up you know they're just so I always saw that and it's like, like they make a living, like, and I was making a living, like even like a, like an average day in Venice, even if I was there all day, I would make like $150 and I had to be there all day, but it was still better than being at the mall. Yeah. And it's like, I just rather, and it was like, and at least I was getting better at guitar. It right. was like, I was, I was like. There's nothing of, I'd rather be doing that than just working, not really doing anything I want to do. And then I I met a lot of musicians when I was busking. I feel like it's just better. Like if I was a painter, I would just go for it. 
Like, you just got to go. If that's really what you want to do, you just got to go for it. Yeah. Even if you don't, even if you're, it's like, you're going to be poor either way, you know? Right. Sure. <laughs> you might as well be kind of happy, you know? What was the first tour that you went on? But uh, first tour, I was I was opening for JJ Gray. Wow. He was doing a, a solo acoustic tour. Uh -huh. So then I was opening for him. And we went, I think we went up and down, we went up and down the West Coast. Because I remember we played in Oregon and Washington. And we went to San Diego. And that was cool. I think I was like, I must have been 23 or 22 or something. That was my first tour. And then not that much later than that, I, I went on tour with Kebmo. Yeah. And yeah. that was like that was like a really exciting tour. I feel like I feel like back then there was like I was kind of getting away with the novelty type of thing because like people thought I was like really young, you know? Like yeah. not like when I was like twenty two, like people thought I was like thirteen, right? You know, so I think I'm not trying to like. I feel like I got some big gigs because people thought I was like a kid, right? 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 <laughs> so sure. Like, so to them, it was like, wow, that's really good for a child, <laughs> and I was just like, okay, like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it was, but whatever, you know. <laughs> Kevmo was my first concert at, at eight years old. It was my first show. Um, Dang. Yeah, I think he was promoting Just Like You or something, but um, I remember it. Um, I remember certain details pretty well. It, at what point did you think, did you feel like the novelty wore off and you're like, okay, I just got to be good? Uh, probably like, probably when I was like 25. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you kept getting a lot of those types of gigs, right? Yeah. Um Yeah, get yeah. I don't think anything tops the Kebmo tour. I think I guess a big one was with um Mandolin Orange when they were still called now they're called Watch House. Right. But that was a big tour. I feel like just because like it seemed it seemed like all of their shows were sold out. So that was a really good one. That was like before COVID. And then Valerie June tour, that was a big tour. But that also I think has to do with like um I was I met Valerie June and I and I asked her I asked her if I could open for her, you know I just asked her. Just so asked. She, and she's just an I think she's just a nice person, you know. <laughs> did you you did something at uh you got to play like Royal Albert Hall right with George Benson? Oh yeah, 
that was crazy. That was re that was recent and that was surreal. That one was surreal. Um, it feels weird because it's like that tour. It was supposed to happen in 2020, and then COVID happened, and then they're like, "Okay, now we're gonna do it next year." Then it was yeah. like same with COVID again. It like kept getting pushed back. Right. So I kind of, I kind of was like, I don't know if this is ever gonna happen, but it was right. like it was supposed to happen three years ago or whatever. So, but then it finally happened, and it was cool. It, it, that was a rough one, though. Not because of George Vincent, but just because of, like, um, we, like, me and my, we were traveling with the trains through yeah. the whole tour, and then there was a train strike. Like, <laughs> it was nuts. It was just nuts. Like, it was, everything was hard, and then, like, um... And the food, I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they just, they just can't. They don't. The UK food, it was disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> but some good yeah. shows. Yeah, the shows are cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw a a couple, uh, flyers that you're doing some stuff with Chris Pierce, who just has you know is a wonderful um vocalist and songwriter and player um do the two of you have plans to do more stuff together um he's he's on three songs on the new album and i think we want i mean i want to do more stuff with chris like hopefully i would love for i would love for our warren pierce band to get like their own album you know yeah like, i mean we should probably just make it but it's like it's a lot harder now because i mean he's in la i think we i think we'll probably figure something out because i i like to try to write for him a lot i or not like write for him, but sometimes because I'm just used to thinking of songs for Warren Pierce or trying to. So sometimes I write and I'm like, I'm picturing him singing it, you know? Yeah. So I'll probably try to, I bet we'll probably do a Warren Pierce song, probably a couple singles or something. I think the first uh, album I listened to of yours was uh, Shell of a Girl, which is from 2019. And, uh, I, I think maybe my favorite song on that on first listen was, was Rock and Roll Heaven. Um, it, but oh, listening yeah. <laughs> listening to all the songs um, and then just all your writing in general, looking at, at the rest of your catalog, you don't seem like someone that writes like um, thinking about who might like it or thinking about who might listen to it. Like, oh, this is going to be good for commercial radio or whatever. It doesn't seem like oh. you write like that at all. You just write what you're feeling. I mean, is that... It seems very honest. Well, yeah, but it's mostly it's mostly because I'm a snob. Like I like I really believe that I have the best taste. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like for me, I just write I try to write stuff that I like because I think that I have good taste. <laughs> Absolutely. 
And I don't like, I don't really like a lot of uh, commercial music. So it's like, I don't, I don't think of it as an influence. I think of like, like, I really love Elliot Smith, you know, like, that's what I want. A lot of times I always think I want to make an album like Elliot Smith. That's what I think about a lot. Do do you have, I mean, some of these songs are really, really personal too. I mean, do you, is it hard to take these really personal things and sing them nightly? Mm, no, because I think that's like, that's the point of it to me is like, it's kind of like, for me, it's like N.A., it's like all the people in the meetings, they they told me their life story. Yeah. And then that helped me get sober. So it's like, I feel like it's like the whole point is like the whole point of you going through a bunch of bullshit is so that you can help somebody else not have to go through it or something, you know? Right. So like, it's like, I just tried to be like the, the people in the meetings, like they just tell you everything and then you can learn from it or something. Yeah. So I think of it like that. Uh, aside from music stuff, I mean, you also do activism work as well. Is that right? I did in LA with, I did with Food Not Bombs, but now I still support them though. Like I still like, I like, contribute to them financially but i'm not out there but i'm i mean and i don't even know if chattanooga has a food not bombs but that would be cool i kind of because i really miss doing that because i was cooking i would cook for them every once a week and i got really good at at making a lot of food. I learned how to make a lot of food really fast. Which is, is it, like... Is it all vegan and vegetarian food? Sorry. It's all vegan because I'm not vegan, but that the founder of Food Not Bombs, he said that it has to be vegan. So okay. it's like... Because there's Food Not Bombs chapters all over the world. like, But it's like, it's his thing, you know? Like... So if you, you can't call it a food not bombs if it's not vegan. Mm. But I think like after like cuz we were serving in Skid Row in LA and like a lot of people were like, "Oh, everybody most people only give us hot dogs and ramen noodles, you know?" And it's like if you're like not getting it's actually really hard to get produce if you're homeless, you know? Like Yeah. So it, I feel like it, it is actually a good thing cuz it's like we were giving people fiber, you know? Yeah. And if all you're eating is ramen noodles all the time, like, you kind of need to eat some vegetables. Like, so it was, I think it was a good thing. But we were, our shit, our shit was dank. Like, it wasn't like, because I, because I would make it like, okay, I don't want it. I can't serve anything I wouldn't eat. Like, I had to make it good. Like, I wanted it to be good. So I learned how to make, like, all kinds of, like, vegan chili and stuff. But it was good. It's like the type of vegan food that a normal person would eat. Yeah. Because I eat meat, you know? Right. So right. I was like, so I was just like, I learned how to make like 
a fake cheese sauce. Like, I just got into it. Like, I know way too much about vegan food now. Way too much. Do you make some of those recipes <laughs> now, like, for yourself? I do for my friends because I have a lot of, like, vegetarian friends and stuff. Yeah. So sometimes I do that. I don't eat meat every day, but I'm not, like, I'm not going to eat fake cheese by myself. I eat real cheese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> um, what What's coming up for you in 2023? I, I mean, what are the big plans? It's going to be the, a lot of touring. Yeah. Starting at pretty much after the album comes out in February. And then... That's all, all the plans is all touring. <laughs> and you've been really rolling out some singles uh, for this album over the last few months. And I know, you know, the most recent thing you put out is a ween cover of Baby Bitch. Yeah. Why'd That's you choose that song? My favorite bands is ween. Yeah. I love that song. Well, because... Well, it's also, I picked that song because, to me, that's like the best breakup song ever. It's not right. really a breakup song but i feel like that song really resonated with me last year because i was going through it like i had i had just gone through a breakup and like i was fucking just angry and bitter and like that song it was like every word <laughs> was like like the line like the line in that song he's like He's like, now I'm skinny and sick and paranoid. I was like, yeah. And he's like, without a cent to my name. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I was just angry. Because I, I was like, I was getting drunk and like listening to that song and just screaming to it. So I was like, this re this really resonates with me right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a killer version of it. And, you know, I think it, it was like an interesting, it's like an interesting take on a love song too, because, um, I think like his ex-girlfriend like re-enters his life after he starts dating someone else or something like that in the song, right? Like that or maybe that's just what I I like she she comes and she sees them out and then she yeah. starts asking the girl questions or something. Yeah. Like that's what it Yeah. And he's but... like he's like come on like he's like fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Please in fact <laughs> please fuck off, I think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's the lyric. Um, I love the line. He's like, "I'm better now. Please fuck off." Yeah, I'm better. Yeah, now. <laughs> I don't need you. What are some things you'd like to see change in the music world? Um, I wish that people would get like, or at least I would say for like at least the Americana scene, since that I, I feel like that's my scene yeah even though i don't i don't really think that way but it's like a lot of those a lot of musicians that play at these folk festivals and americana festivals they're so eclectic like yeah. musically but it's like they're not reflecting that in their actual stuff it's like some of these some of these people are playing bluegrass bands they listen to as much crazy music as I do, but then yeah. they they're keeping themselves like in standard. This is standard country. This is standard bluegrass. This is standard blues. 
And I wish people would just let go of genres and just, like, it's, like, just, like, play some weird shit. Like, not weird, but, like, how come I can't tell that that you have this extensive record collection when I listen to you? Like, <laughs> yeah. I want to I wanna hear everything that you like. I want to just, because mm. it's, like, I feel like people forget that everything we listen to is just created, you know? Yeah. It's, like, we're... We're stopping ourselves from creating something new by staying in these uh, genres, you know? I just think, so that's what I would like to see. I would like to see just people be a little more freaky with their music. Like, just be a little more weird. Just get out there, like... I mean, I'm not doing... I'm not really doing it, but... I'm trying to, but I know there's people that can. They can... Like some of these people can, they can play all kinds of shit, but they only play one thing when they go perform. But it's yeah. like this, the same person that they're playing this country music. It turns out they can also play metal guitar and now, and no one will ever know that. It's like, why? Why do you think that is that people do that? Because they get, that's how they get paid. Yeah. It's like the, the Americana Festival wants a standard country band or whatever. I yeah. just think so. It's kind of, and that's another thing. Like festivals being one genre, basically, that's so boring. Cause it's like that. It's just not like current with the times. It's like there's nobody that only listens to one genre of music. Right. Every music, every music festival should have every type of music. Because with the internet, everybody listens to a little bit of everything. So why don't they just make every music festival be a little bit of everything? That'd be fun. That'd be way more fun. Yeah. I know some some festivals are like that, but I just think it's weird that there's still a such thing as a folk festival. Like, okay, like the Newport Folk Festival and then the Newport Jazz Festival. It's like, I want to see all of those bands. Why don't right. they just... Make it one festival. Right. The Newport Festival. <laughs> right. Because I want to see a little bit of everything. I don't want just one thing. Who are some artists that you think do do that really well, where you can tell their entire record collection from hearing them perform? Ween. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's, that's, I, that's, I guess, <laughs> you know, obvious answer I on that one. Like, yeah. People act like Ween isn't a real band, like it's a joke or something, like it's a novelty. But that is a real band. Like yeah, they got they got a catalog and they shred, you know. Right, and they do all different know. kinds of music. Yeah, but people act like that's a joke. I'm like, that's not a joke. That's a lifestyle. Yeah, that's right. I'm gonna get a wing tattoo. But then I'm trying to think <laughs> of it. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a different. Someone that kind of does the genre bending. You know, Yola kind of does that yeah. in her own way. Like, she, I feel like she's got a lot of different, it's all very kind of traditional, but she kind of jumps around. Like, some of her stuff is, like, country, and then some of it, I'm like, this almost sounds like some glam rock type of shit. And then other, right. like, she kind of, I think, yeah, she mixes it up a lot, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'll have to. Th I can't think of any anyone else right now. 
Well, that's it's an interesting it's an interesting point you bring up, and I you know I think unfortunately it, it goes back to money so often, and and you know why the festivals do things the way they do, and yeah, and, uh, and artists too. But um, I love that, right? You you know, let's hear the artist's entire uh, entire record collection. That's a cool concept. Maybe artists listening to this, we want to hear your entire record collection and your music. Uh, people don't want to hear my record collection. <laughs> uh if you don't mind uh stay on the line with me for just one second but uh, in front of our audience thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me thanks for having me on you all right thanks to sunny war again for taking the time that's all for this week my name's andy sito thanks for listening and i will chat with you next week Don't forget to give the podcast a five-star rating and review however you're listening. Thanks.